broadcasting live out of a basement in Appleton, Wisconsin. You're tuned in to Fox City's Core on WCZR Code Zero Radio. We're the show that gives you an opportunity to call in and be a part of the show. Our call in line is 920-358-0795. Core. My next guests are a dynamic and talented group of musicians who started making music together over two decades ago. With the unique blend of rock, country, and pop, Boxcar has built a loyal fan base with their catchy hooks, heartfelt lyrics, and energetic live performances. I'd like to welcome Chris and Tom to Fox City's Core. How are you guys doing? What's up? What's that country thing in there yeah. you put in there? I they had a little country in uh, in some of the tunes. Okay, maybe. You know, it's funny you say that because we had like a big country songwriter. Remember Monty Montgomery? Oh, yeah. Tommy? Right. Um, he was like, oh, man, I love you guys. Do you ever think about going country? And we're like, nope, we never thought of it. <laughs> well, so, like, so you don't, so when you heard the country thing, and I could kind of see all the, the corner of my eye, like, what? <laughs> but I mean, like, have you run into the situation before? Because you've got a, a lot of releases. So, you, obviously, you've touched on a lot of different influences over that time. Do you find that some people hear different influences in there that you might not have personally? Like, you, you know, might- I, I think, I think, I mean, Tommy, you could talk to this, um, but I think that. We're we're hook laden, laden, right? We have we kind of have the one four five type of Midwest, right? Straight up, kind of, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're we're. I yeah, mean, so I think that people hint at the, that's kind of a country formula, maybe. Tommy? Yeah, some of the older like the songs that Brian Bremer wrote yeah. might have a country tinge to him a little bit. Oh, okay. You know? Well, he played with the Telecasters. You know, he's got little uh, country bends in there. Okay, so I'm learning after 20 years of starting the band that we're kind of country. You're telling Sorry. Me. <laughs> well, you guys have a. We'll talk. We're going to talk about it right away. You've been kind of in a hiatus for a while. You've got something coming up next month. Should we just bring that up right away? We can talk about it again later. Yeah. No. For sure. Um, yeah. I guess. Uh, how, how long do I have? Like a minute? Well, as long I, as you want. Oh my goodness. Um, so uh, you know. There's. I moved to Milwaukee, so I, I guess here's where probably where I would start. Is that we've always been an original band. It's always been something we've loved. And at first, it was really easy to get by with doing original music. And it was when Cool Waters were coming up. So it was like Cool Waters and Boxcar and Breathing Machine, you know. Um, so, um, but uh, it was easier to get away with playing original, especially in Appleton. It was kind of like a. It seemed like kind of like a renaissance, right, of Appleton mm-hmm. original scene at that point. So we could go do that. Um, but then things got a little harder. Um, you know, albums aren't cheap. Things aren't cheap. So we decided, well, let's play some of the other bigger rooms in Milwaukee around the around the state. But those rooms are um, all cover rooms, right? Cover band rooms. Um, so we decided, hey, let's just let's just bite the bullet, play a full three hour show, but let's play some covers that we like, right, Tommy? Right. And yeah, like you said, it's not cheap to you know put out a record, and we never wanted to do like the crowdfunding thing, you know, ask right. for money um so we'd raise the money ourselves by playing some of these gigs that right we had to play more covers on us right and i think what happened is that just it got more it was easy to get more sucked into that type of of genre and venue and we just kind of lost the vibe of we've not the not the vibe of wanting to do original music it just sucked kind of the life of originality out of us as musicians and we started kind of the coast a little bit right i mean i'm being honest i mean i mean straight up this is straight up like you know, being honest. Yeah. Um, and then I decided to move to Milwaukee. And, and the, the guys were, you know, they, they at that point, they were kind of like fizzling out. Just, again, we, it's been 10, you know, 10, 20 years together. It's, you know, long road. Went to Milwaukee. Um, and so that was it. That was kind of boxcar, you know, petered out. Um, and, um, but the thing that we've learned for sure is that I mean we never we didn't end hating each other there was not like a we didn't like have a food fight and that was it like it was not something like that it was just a slow I mean right yeah slow drip right you know we were five piece down to four piece then yeah. three piece it was really a slow drip yeah and and we didn't again we don't hate each other there was nothing like that it was just a musically slow drip so now we've learned getting back together for a show that um, the music, the original music, is what ties us together, um, and, and I'm not. I mean, kudos to all the bands. I mean, I've been in most of the bands, big cover bands around here. You know, um, kudos to that. But um, summer of '69 doesn't bring a band together uh, as much as one of the songs you wrote 
and that's always something that uh, will always be in our heart. And that's why we always, that's why we agreed to do this show. Um, when we were approached with doing the show, they're like, can you do the th- full three hours downtown? And we're like, we're going to do originals. That's, that's what we decided to do. If we're ever going to get back together and play a show here or there or whatever it is, it has to be on our terms and it will be an original show. Will we play a few covers? Yes, but there will be covers that we do our way. Um, but uh, that's, that's the story, right? Tom, did I cover all that? Yeah, I think okay. you got it. So when you were rehearsing, the cover songs were just taking too much of your, your time that you probably didn't have in abundance. Yeah, we haven't even worked on any of the cover songs. Nope, <laughs> that's um, how awesome that is. Yeah, we, yeah. yeah. We, in fact, we haven't even agreed what covers we're doing <laughs> right. at and Jones Park. So Jones Park, June first, we were approached for about the last three years to do that show, to come back and do a kind of a back together show, um, and we just couldn't do it. <clears throat> Finally, this year, I was like, you know what? We're in a good place. I live up here now. Let's uh, let's 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 see, feel it out. And I couldn't believe that Hammond. Or Gieske had that day, but we we took the very first day of the concert series, so here we are, June first, Boxcar, and and what I love about it is that it's all like the people who've been in the band the longest together, so yeah, yeah. there has been a lot of there's been a lot of guys, you know, other guys too down from Milwaukee and stuff, but uh, yeah. we kind of at first thought we'd start where we ended, but then we kind of went back and. Yeah, added some yeah key pieces. I mean, the band who you're going to see on the June June first have played by far the most, cut our nails, you know, the most with each other. So, have you guys either of you played at Jones Park before? Yeah, Boxcar actually. We did our CD release party for five, our last album at Jones Park. That was the last time yeah, we were there. Twenty fifteen. Yeah, I think. It's crazy. It was awesome. Oh. It was just a huge, yeah, huge, huge crowd. Crowd. I don't know how we're going to do that. I mean, yeah. let's hope. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, as as we do, let's kind of go back to the beginning of Boxcar. So I, I noticed there's the first release. I don't think is that out there anywhere. Is it? I couldn't find it. Yep. Yep. Probably can't find it. <laughs> <laughs> That's by design, I'm guessing. Well, the thing is, the first release was done from a professional studio in Sarasota, Florida. But it was kind of more like it was a, it was a demo. It was kind of in that weird between CD and mm. you know digital type of thing. So it was like we sold out and that we didn't reprint it. So not a lot of people knew the album. So when we did our second album, we kind of thought of it. There's some songs from the very first album that we redid for the second album. So we kind of feel like the second album is. It's not the official first release, but I think it's the very first official big release where most people heard about us. What like how did how did you meet Tom? Like what? Well, that was 2004. Well, Joe Purs was playing with yeah. you guys at the time, and he called me and said, "Hey, you know, I'm going to be leaving." And I don't uh, even know this story, by yeah, the way. Yeah, so <laughs> that's awesome. He kind of reached out to me to check it out, and. I went and saw you guys somewhere, and I was like, "Oh, it's not for me." It's why not, Tom? Well, <laughs> I don't remember what it was. It could have been the partially the, the venue, lead singer, but but, uh, <laughs> but then I ended up. Then Mark Goldie told me to talk to you guys, and I met you at Mill Creek. That I remember one night, and I'm like, "Ah, he seems okay, so we'll give it a shot." And then my first gig was Summerfest in Milwaukee. It was kind of like a temporary thing at first. And then we did the uh, Shank Hall, and it seemed to be going pretty well. We had some practices. We kind of came up with Restless Hearts mm-hmm. at the time yeah. during those rehearsals. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, then just... Was Restless Heart the first one on. you and I that you... <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. Bremer's Basement. Like, you, you were outside. You guys were playing basketball outside or something like that. Yeah. You came down, and you're like, I got this song. Mm-hmm. It's got to go like this. Yep. You had all the lyrics. Yeah, because I, I wrote it in a bathtub with a bottle of whiskey. <laughs> right. Straight, straight yeah. up. I mean, yeah. Um, heartbroken, you know, bottle yeah. of whiskey, bathtub. Right. It was perfect. When, yeah, came up with all the <laughs> I mean, it's straight chords. up true story. I'm, I'm not trying to, like, over bump, ba- like, rock and roll it. Like, that's exactly. It is. I was broken, man, for sure. And I, I, I had a girlfriend of mine who I, <laughs> was in the bathroom with me and oh, sitting on the toilet. Part. And I said, get a pen and paper. <laughs> that's what I said. Oh, See, man. no holes barred, bro. See, uh, yours right. is your fault for having us. I'm just saying. Yeah. Well, this is good. I mean, huh. kind of getting the stories out there for future prosperity. Yeah, <laughs> prosperity. That's what you want to call it. By the way, before we move on, I think we should give him props 
I mean, what you've built is awesome. Oh, like, yeah. I remember Thank when you. you first came on the scene, and um, just as your, I'm in your, I'm, I'm in your house right now, and just if you guys could see his basement, it's just pictures and CDs and posters of bands all over here. He's he's truly a he's truly a, a wonderful um, talking head for for music, and we appreciate what yeah. you do, brother. And we did get you, you something. I know you oh. like stickers, but we didn't have any left. But <laughs> back in the old box kind of warehouse, we still had a. It's a left-handed yes. coffee mug, though. So. <laughs> You know, wow! But I didn't even know they made good. those. I know, nice <laughs> use of space on there too. But I'm surprised that the handle's not on the inside. <laughs> right, that's gonna be my new coffee mug for yeah, the show. It's a boxcar coffee mug, brother. Thank there you. you. You're welcome, man. Oh, You're welcome. So while while I make the move over there to grab that, so Chris, before you were writing the songs for that debut album. You must have been in bands prior to that. Yeah, I was a drummer of Cool Waters. The um, one of the original drummers of Cool Waters. In fact, it's 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 here. I got you. It's funny because um, I'm actually now the drummer again of Cool Waters. I don't know if you knew that, but I'm back to playing drums with with the, with the Cool Waters boys four, four, five, six times a year. I did not know that. Yeah, isn't your current drummer the, a drummer? He was the drum, drummer. He, he filled. <laughs> yeah, the, the, yeah. Here, right. The wheels on a bus go round and. Um, he was the, so I was the drummer of Cool Waters, and then he replaced me. So. Gieski, Matt yeah. Gieski, our drummer, Boscar's drummer, replaced me. So yes, it's kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, I was in, I was in, I was in that band. I was in Boogie and the Yo-Yos. I was the lead singer of Boogie and the Yo-Yos um, back when I was wearing leather pants. Tom, I saw you back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's no wonder why you didn't want to be in Boscar yeah. right away. You wanted to meet me, make sure I was okay. <laughs> right? <laughs> no, that was a great experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been playing music since I was nine years old professionally. Started my dad's polka band. So I've been playing, you know, in cover bands and jazz bands and all that kind of stuff. So, um, so yeah, Boxcar was kind of the dream project that how cool would it be if we can write original music and give it a shot? Because if I want to lay my head on a pillow before I die, I want to say I did it. And it doesn't matter how successful, which I think we were at a certain point, somewhat, you know, regionally, whatever it is. We've done some really cool things, but I'm completely 1,000% comfortable with what we did and tried to do. And I think this June 1st is just a celebration of all that. Well, T- Tommy? Yeah. yeah. Well, a cool thing happened while we were re- re- rehearsing. We had... Uh, we, we remembered the songs? Well, that was a miracle in itself. <laughs> it, is, it is amazing. I mean, we did... We, it, right. I mean, it wasn't like you didn't even spend any time apart. You just kind of went right back into it again. Seriously. I mean, I wouldn't play the show at this moment, but you know, (laughs) like the bones are there. The, the personalities are there. It's just, it's all there. Go ahead. Right. And the vocals, the vocals were like magic, but um, vocals. But while we're rehearsing and you were doing a Facebook live thing, our, one of our old managers, Rick Scott, yeah. Happened to be watching and he called like while we're down in the basement. Yeah. We hadn't talked to him since what, 2005 or so six. He, so Rick Scott is the one that he was a manager for other um, like national artists. And so he loved, I don't know how we found him. He fell in love with the Bosco thing, I guess, and went to bat for us. And he's the one that brought Epic Records and all that. When we did our showcase, a record label showcase in Viper Room in LA. Right. Yeah. So he called. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. Well, he called, and it was just cool hearing his perspective on the band. Like, you know, how much over the years he really tried to work for us to try to get us, mm-hmm. you know, to the next level. And record maybe it didn't deals. work, but he still, you know, Still loves the band, like personally. His, him and his wife, you know, listen to us all the time. So, yeah. just kind of uh, getting back together, you know, brings out all these, you know, comments from people we haven't heard from in a long time. It's yeah, cool. and and it is something to be said. I mean, again, music brings people together for sure. But these guys, I mean, it, it's it is incredible that the harmonies, like we could just look at each other, and the harmonies are right there and 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 the stories are there and it's just it, it is you're right it's it's like we haven't really left each other so well and then i think your the video you're talking about was one that you posted a day or two ago and like the harmonies are you guys are just sitting around with acoustics working on harmonies and it yeah. sounds fantastic oh thank you yeah yeah well i'm gonna give it to these guys i mean i got i got some of the um, amazing vocalists <laughs> just yeah. with it with me on, on all this i mean harmonies for me I don't know what you think, Tom, but for me, you know, um, there's a lot of great players and these guys are wonderful musicians and their instruments, but harmonies are 
different. It's a different, it's a different bird, you know, having somebody with an ear like that and then having four people with an ear like that. But then the blend has to be there. And, you know, especially me, Tommy and Matt, I mean, we've, we've sang, I mean, we'll play a show and at the after bar when everybody's partying, we're like in a corner singing harmonies and being geeky choir boys, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So. Well, and Tom, is it kind of hard to, you know, you're thinking of harmonies and then you're also playing the guitar. I mean, that can't, yeah, I don't think a lot of bands do because it's not easy. The, the really interesting part is that because there's been different lineups over the years that we change our parts around, like depending who's in the band, yeah. you know, we'll move somebody to take the higher part. So just kind of, uh, but now we have this ability to juggle parts around. Like I'll just look at Matt Hammond. He's like, you know, do you want to switch? You know, sometimes we do that live. Like if he's having a bad night, you know, you just do a little signal to switch parts and we try to... That's literally how good these guys are, man. These guys just are a joy to work with. I'm going to defer to these guys all day long. I mean, honestly. Um, the band, the lineup that you see um, is is really the the heart and soul of, of Boxcar through through the most of the years. And the, the, the amount of shows we played together and the sweat and the blood and the sweat. <laughs> man, remember some of those shows? Like Rocky oh USA. Oh, my yeah. God. Um, it... it it uh, it's a tie that binds, but the harmonies. I mean, I I, I could I could do a acoustic boxcar show, like on June first, <laughs> you know, with harmonies, and I'd be in heaven. Like I mean, like all right, cool. I don't care if anybody doesn't like this without whatever. I'm loving it, you know. So yeah. Well, Chris, you mentioned the the Viper Room, which you did two shows there. I think one was a showcase, and then you yeah. opened for the the Goo Goo Dolls. Was it? No, was it, it it was um, not Third Eye Blind. It was or Candlebox. Uh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, it actually wasn't Candlebox. It was the lead singer Candlebox and his new uh, project. Remember that? Yeah, I don't remember his name. Yeah. Um, do you have any follow up question to that, or do you want me to go? I was just wondering, okay. like, I mean, the experience of going out to California and playing at that. That venue yeah. was probably pretty pretty cool. <laughs> it was. We were on fire too, and there's footage of us out there somewhere on YouTube. Um, my my favorite story is um, that manager guy we were talking about, Rick Scott. He Epic Records. I don't know. If, do you even know the story? Epic Records said to him, "We really like them. Great, you know, blah 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 blah. Great energy, great songs, whatever." Um, but they said the lead singer, <laughs> the the lead singer sounds too pretty. Um, because at the time, that's when um, uh, Nickelback was like super hot, oh, right? And they were like, "Ah, oh, could he sound like more like rough, like like throaty, like Nickelback?" And I said, "Nope. I don't. I mean, I don't. If the record deal was in front of us, I would still would. If I had to be like sound like Nickelback, I wouldn't have signed it. Because even as right. much as as much as we wanted that record deal, right? From Epic would be awesome, but I'm not going to sit there and and, and yeah. ruin my voice and sound like somebody I'm not. And that's something that we've all kind of. I think Tommy could speak to this too. I think that we did play, you know, started playing some more covers in those rooms. But the bottom line is, is that still when it came down to original music, we were going to be us no matter what. It doesn't matter if it was Epic Records or whatever, we were going to be us. Yeah, and there's and it's crazy that they would even ask you to like uh, change your voice because your voice is kind of the uh, main part of the band, I think. And then didn't. I think somebody else mentioned something about Green Day, like they were hoping we were a little more, yeah, like punk. Like. I sit around <laughs> and watch that ship, but nothing's on. See, perfect. <laughs> we can do it. Were you, were you guys feeling a lot of pressure around the time from from outside people telling you you need to do this, you need to do that if you want to make it? You mentioned you know roughing up your vocals, but was there other stuff going on like change your image or wear this or wear that? Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, me, the image guy. Um, that's funny. I don't know. I just remember showing up at the Viper Room, and I looked like I should have been in Weezer. That's what I was thinking. But That um, was your band. I mean, that was your yeah, vibe. Right. And you fit. It fit. I mean, I think I was the only, like, uh, I say glam, but I think I was the only one that kind of was a little pushed in the envelope with a scarf and, you know, right. smaller right. jeans. <laughs> are you gonna be rocking a scarf at the, the no, jones park <laughs> no i'm kind of more weezer now so that's that's maybe, it's, maybe we could switch oh, spots dude right. i'll be the weezer looking dude and you yeah. could be scarf at the eyeliner oh my god let's go let's you do didn't it. do the eyeliner did you uh next question next question <laughs> <laughs> we called the eyeliner back then um okay so were we pressured no i think to be honest i mean I knew that 
the the way we wrote songs and how hooky they were and how they were just real like you know um i i i thought that we could be a little bit more you know like we just more mindful of the fact that that's kind of who we are but there was never me saying oh we can't get crazy and weird because it doesn't fit i've never done that either i just i guess my point is that we all kind of knew what boxcar was and i don't think anybody tried to change boxcar Within the parameters, we would we would move on. And in fact, our last album, Five, I think was the most different right. album. Yeah. I mean, what would you describe Five as? It's a little more different? alternative, just a little. Um, we tried to change things up, like where you'd normally have a, a bridge or a chorus. We'd just move it around. So song structure-wise was different, different sounds, a little spacier things. And Well, Tommy, you um, were the main, I mean, you were... You know, I wrote albums with different people, of course, with you as well. But that one was like strictly you and I, with some some of Hammond in there. But like yeah. you and I were the structure of the writing. So you write you write more alternative. Yeah, and that kind of that whole album just sort of came out of nowhere. It's kind of like when we thought maybe we were towards the end, all of a sudden we got this another spark and went back yeah. in there, wrote some more songs. And so to answer your question, is that outside pressures really never really hit us. Um, um, and, and when there was pressures against us, we, we did a good job at saying this is who we are. And we were never, we didn't apologize for it. Um, I'm sure people thought we were too poppy or some people thought we were too this or too that. But boxcar is boxcar. And I'm proud of the guys for, for sticking to that. Did you notice as far as like jealousy in the area? Because boxcar was getting a lot of a notice. And you guys were doing some really cool things. An example was the uh, George W. Bush presidential inauguration you guys got to go play at. Were you feeling sort of like almost uh, like you were being turned on by some of the, the people in the scene or some of the people in this area because of your success? Tommy, if you don't take this question, <laughs> I'm afraid that you I'm really do say your something. research, Andy, a little, <laughs> little too well. He's known us forever. <laughs> um, I, why don't you start and then well, I'll finish? Well, I know there was, I'll say too, there was a kind of a controversy. Obviously, there's a group of people that were like, why are you going to go play that? You know, so you've got that. You've got the political aspect, but then you've got the jealousy aspect. So you guys had just a lot of yeah. pressure on you. Well, the, the political thing was a little awkward because. You know, our band in itself is a democracy, so we don't all vote one direction or another. Right, and right. when the gig came up, you know, we kind of talked about it, and it was a good opportunity, um, and and we took it. Yeah, um, that was that was good. That was awesome. Very vanilla. Now, <laughs> right. now he's asking me for the color. I'll give you. I'll give you some color. I'll give you some color. Um, so. Um, it was us, Three Doors Down, Fuel, Ryan Cabrera, Hillary Duff. You can't tell me all those bands vote one way or not the next. So, um, yeah, we got a lot of heat. We got heat even from our own local newspaper. And here we are in at a huge event with the only unsigned band in the whole inauguration. Um, you know, Temptations. And, I mean, it, it was nuts, that the, the lineup, you know, uh, Blues Traveler and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so we're, we're, we're in D.C. doing these these interviews from all over the country parts of the world right i mean how many interviews was i doing while you guys were sleeping or like you know like yeah sleeping it off there's chris five in the morning doing some interview from you know england or whatever but but here we are doing all this great great stuff and for the most part let me tell you something i mean it was awesome we were in on the newspapers in milwaukee and tv stations all around the 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 state um so 90 percent of everything was just super proud of of boxcar doing this but the 10 percent Really, were a bummer, because they they and they're the ones that actually kind of brought the political tint to it. I would I would I said this in Rock uh, uh, Classic Rock Magazine, their you know worldwide published magazine, because they did an interview with us, and they asked me this question: Do you get any blowback for doing um, the presidential inauguration? And my, my response is is the same one I'm going to give everybody right now: If the president of the United States vote for him or not, asks you to play a concert with Fuel, Ryan Cabrera, or some of the people three doors down, um, uh, you'll say yes. And and it's it's it, it's easy to, to throw stones and say, oh, no, I would never, I would never do that. But listen, this was a huge, huge moment, not only for our careers, uh, but for, for pride in, in the country. Like like the president or not, you, you should respect the office and you should respect the, the what the country does on that day with a bunch of other huge artists that also are in the same boat that, that you are. They don't all vote that same way, but they're proud to be a part of something. And so, hell 
hell yeah. I don't, I don't, with all the stuff that we took for it in our, in our, you're right, we did from artists, even artists around here, no names mentioned, one in particular. Um, but I, I, the whole time, no matter what pressure we were feeling, we shook it off as we're proud. We're proud of it. And I don't care what the newspaper, the Appleton Post Crescent said. Um, they're not ever going to take back that wonderful experience that we had with the people we had around us. Um, and that's that. Did you get to meet any any cool people while you're playing oh, that? Okay, go with Tommy. Right. Tommy. Well, let's see. Um, we met, uh, who's the blues traveler guy? Oh, John Popper. Yeah, yeah John we Popper. hung out with him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hung out with him a bit. And then he got us into that event with three doors down playing with uh not buddy guy right bb king. king so oh, yeah we wow. walk so he got us in we he put us on a guest list we go to this like party and i see tv screens with bb king playing on them and i'm assuming they're playing a video but then i walk downstairs and there's bb king was like playing live right there so it's what was, 50 people yeah small maybe? crowd it was awesome and then we ran into John again, I think, at the, was it a Hard Rock Cafe or something mm-hmm. like that? And, um, yeah. My, 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 my favorite story about that is when we first ran into John, we were at, the, all the bands stayed in one hotel, and we were at the lobby. Remember, were you there? We're sitting on the couches, and John came and sat on the empty chair. <laughs> and he, 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 I think he thought, like, he thought that we're like a brand new big band that he just hasn't heard of because he's on the road so much. I think that's kind of what he was. Remember right. he was, Yeah. How many units? Was that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So he, yeah, he started asking us like, man, how many units of albums did you guys sell? And <laughs> he's like, and then he starts going into the soliloquy. Remember this, this teaching moment of, listen, you guys be, you guys are maybe making millions right now. <laughs> But I want you to know, save it. <laughs> we're just laughing. None right. of us had, none of us, right? We didn't have the guts to tell them that we're, like, we're unsigned and like nobody knows about us. Right. <laughs> they had like 20 bucks in my pocket. <laughs> oh, man. It's funny. Yeah, it was, we were, you know, hung out with Ryan Seacrest, you know. I mean, it was, it was, it was a really crazy, awesome time. Um, I think that looking back, the band was extremely tight, but, um, it was a big moment for us. Um, yeah, it was. It was a pretty big moment, and the stage was so big. MTV Two went live, and it had the stage was so big that it had two catwalks. And I mean, I'm in good shape, right? At this time, I'm like, I got this, right. you know. Um, second song, <laughs> Tommy T knows I'm struggling. We're playing every song twice as fast <laughs> as the album because we're all just super yeah. nervous. And there goes my guitar player Mosey's out to the farthest catwalk. And I'm like, he's just out there by himself, like, yeah. like at an island. And I know him because he's kind of looking back at me. And like, when he does that, it's, I usually kind of come up to him and we do our thing. But I'm like, he's, I got to take a damn airplane to get to this guy. <laughs> so in my, I'm just totally huffing and puffing. I run out to him and there's this great shot. I'll never forget. I have yeah. it. There's a great shot of me and him just out at the end of the catwalk. It's 18,000 people, by the way. 18,000 people at this show. And it's just me and him, and, and that's like one of the moments that I always cherish yeah. from that. So that was cool. Did yeah. you did you save a lot of the stuff like video clips or pictures and stuff from from back in the day, or did some of that stuff get away? Oh no, no, no. There's a box of it at my house. I have yeah. on my pool table while people can while they're practicing. And for a little while, we got kind of organized, and uh, somebody who was trying to help the band uh, suggested we get like some uh, flash drives and kind of all contribute to the flash drive with whatever pictures and videos we Mm -hmm. had so that kind of went around for a while so we did we were lucky to keep a lot of those and some ended up in some there's some youtube videos that have like little slideshows and random pictures and stuff yeah and brian bremer has all that a lot of that stuff too and then matt hammond doesn't need pictures because he remembers (laughs) every stupid moment Like, it's true. It's true. I'm I'm actually glad he couldn't make the interview today because I don't even know what he remembers every after bar, every right. girlfriend, yeah. <laughs> just like everything. Uh, and Brian Saunders is going to be here either today. He's a pilot, so he's got a crazy schedule. And yeah, so the band is on June first. It's it's me and Tommy. It's Matt. It's Matthew Gieske. It's Brian Saunders, and it's Brian Bremer. So that's going to be the lineup um, for June first. Your last release was five, which you know we'll, we'll get to that. And that's why I was kind of curious where the the, the, <laughs> the first release was because I was trying to track that down. I couldn't find it. Pretty yeah. I, yeah. I did notice like a progression over the the albums. It, 
gave them all a listen and, and you do seem like the the sound really gets dialed in like by the time you hit five you can tell that you guys are firing on all cylinders um over the course of of releasing the albums was there one in particular most you know artists are going to say their latest album was their favorite but did you have a favorite moment over the course of those five albums musically Ooh, tommy <clears throat> well the uh can you hear me we always talk about that because it was a cool recording experience. Um, the room we were in, we were in it was like an older building in Oshkosh, right downtown Main Street. Yeah, so it had like a, a cool vibe, and we were all there a lot. You know, sometimes when you're recording, you know, it just might be a couple guys at a time or, or whatever. But we all just kind of hung out. Everybody was in the control room while the other guys were playing their parts, or we were all just playing the tracks in the main room. And that was just a, a fun time. That was really cool. Um, the uh, five was a little different than that because it was we were down to a three piece mm-hmm. by then. Um, but I like that whole thing was a, a different experience too. You know, it was kind of a more personal because it was just the three of us and Tony Anders kind of uh, really working through everything together. Yeah, I I would say that you know. I would say that Can You Hear Me, which is the White Album, I would say that 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 is, I think, I think the time where we were at our tightest. I think we were at our shiniest. I think that we could have we could have we could have played at that moment back with eighteen thousand people and not sweat it. I think that right. the band was just firing on all cylinders, and it was also when the band was really laser focused on trying to go national. I mean, we've always wanted to go national and, and all that kind of stuff, but this was like we did Hard Rock Rising, which was a thing we did in Chicago with Hard Rock, sponsored by Hard Rock and all that kind of stuff. That was a moment where we just, we really, we, we just, we wanted to go for it. Um, and that, that album really did come together. And I think, you know, a lot of people's favorite album, you know, it's got My American Game on it. It's got, you know, right. Pass, Pass on, on By on it. The um, message. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um you know, the early stuff was, was always great, too, because it was brand new and there was a lot of emotions. And But you're right. I think, I think you know, as any band, they fine-tune where they go. So Five, for me, kind of was, I, I think Can You Hear Me was, I think, like the one that we all gelled a lot on. You're right, Tommy. Five was kind of like this. We have more to say. Let's let's let's. We have you know. You really stepped into the songwriting spot as the main songwriter for sure. Like that album was just Tommy T writing everywhere um, with you and I, and so we used that as to say more words and to do it in a different a, a, a place that we were at at that moment. Um, I I don't know. It's tough. Yeah. I loved Five. Right. I, and even coming out swinging, even though I think I left album. for a while halfway through that, but. Oh. I was there for like the first three songs, I think. Yeah. And that was done at Rock Garden at the location on Law Street, I think. Newberry. Uh, Newberry. Wasn't it? The no. one? Was Maybe that both. Walter Avenue? Was that before it, Walter Avenue? First it was Law Street on the top of the hill, and then we oh. did one at, yeah, Walter Avenue. But that was a cool vibe, too, because... Mm-hmm. Um, we were all having a little more fun then, I think, from what I remember. <laughs> yeah. I remember you doing vocals. In a bathroom. Yeah. With a bottle. Yeah. So, and yeah. the bottle again. And instead of using the fancy mic, you'd just walk around with like a SM57 or 58. Yeah. Yeah. That's just uh, personal preference or that's kind of unusual? Yeah. Well, I can go to that store if you want. But, okay, first of all, I was not a huge partier. So, I mean, I know I'm the front guy and I looked boombastic and all that. And people probably think all sorts of stuff about me being a front man, blah, blah, blah. I wasn't like hardcore. I mean, didn't struggle with alcoholism or anything like that. But it, I, so I just want to preface this story with that. So, so but um, Goldie, Goldie loves the band. You know, he he's always been a huge supporter of us and me and all that kind of stuff. But you know, he always had an issue with me on the microphone in the studio with certain rock tunes. He's always wanted me to sound tougher. It's almost like Epic Records, oh, right. and and. So I was doing this, the biggest rock song on the album, Make Me Want You. I mean, it is, I mean, it's just like super in your face about a girl and like, you know, rock and roll. And I'm singing and he stops it and he goes, if we just, it just, he was never happy, you know? So he stops it. He, he actually sends the guys out to the bar 
and leaves me and him in this in this place. And he he sits down and he goes, "Listen, man, you're just not capturing the rock and roll thing. The song is about a woman and and rock and roll and just being like you know blah blah blah. And you're sounding like you know Peter Pan or whatever he, he calls me. Um, so that's actually a true story. He actually <laughs> right. said that to yeah. me. Um, if Goldie's out there listening, he's laughing his butt off for sure. Love you, Goldie. Um, so, anyways, he hands me a bottle of Jack Daniels, and we just start hanging out. We weren't talking about music; we we're just talking about radio. You know, a favorite radio album. And next thing you know, I'm like half in on this bottle. He just kept feeding me. It was awful, awfully awesome. So finally, he goes, "Listen, um, you know, I'm pretty hammered at that point." He's like, "We're gonna do it again." I'm like, "Bro." Like, no, man. He's like, the problem with you, Chris, is that you're too perfectionist and you're trying to make the perfect tone at the perfect time in the studio. And it works for every other song, but this one, I'm not going to let you do it. So here's what you're going to do. I'm going to not make you stand still and on this little microphone that's on a stand. I'm going to give you a walk around SM58, $80 microphone, and you're going to go in the bathroom. But the thing is, he had the microphone... Uh, fed through the amp. Remember a big Marshall oh. half stack? So I was in the bathroom singing. The amp was mic turned up to freaking 11 in the room, mic. So I'm singing through a, like a crunchy amp to make that crunch sound. And so I'm in the bathroom. It's completely pitch black. I'm hammered. I'm laying on, straight up. I laid on the ground on my back with a bottle of Jack Daniels and I screamed the crap out of the song. And I get out. I'm like, all right, man. What you know? What's the next take? He goes, that was perfect. <laughs> and I was like, I mean, you can hear it. it's not pitch corrected at the end. I'm screaming my balls off, and you can at, you can actually hear my rings hit the bottle. Like if you listen to it on cans. So, anyways, that was a story. <laughs> so, did, did the recording process for Boxcar change at all over the the course of the five albums, or was it kind of the same kind of approach each time? I guess it was sort of similar. Yeah. No. It was. It was. I mean. We had Goldie uh, for most of the albums, um, and then you know, the last five was you know was was with Tony Anders, you know if you know Tony. Yeah, it's Anders. Studio H. Yeah. Yep, yeah. Um, and Tony Tony has just a really awesome pop perspective. Like he just really gets that. So I don't think the process was different. I think the sound was different, and and the things that he was using was was a, a little bit of a different approach, so, but. But I think the recording process was about the same. Yeah, and Goldie did the first or the second one, the black one, also, right? Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. So the interesting thing about that one is I was Mark's roommate at that time. Is that when he lived above the bar? Yeah, we you lived, lived above, above the bar. Yeah, I oh, lived up there. Yeah. But um, no wonder why you got Bailey's in your coffee this morning. <laughs> he, uh, <laughs> Mark, borrowed my Telecaster. He said he was doing some recording with you guys. I had no idea who you were. So, but. My guitar is on that record, I think. I don't know if it's all Bremer's parts or hmm. what, but... Interesting. Yeah. yeah. As far as songwriting, is that... I know, Chris, you mentioned Tom was kind of contributing parts, but are you doing most of the songwriting, or is it kind of a collective... Uh, you know, that's a... Uh, it's kind of the way it goes, is like, the, the first two albums with Brian Bremer, he was the main songwriter for that, and so I was also like his tag team. So him and I would write that. He was still the main, but I was kind of like 35, 40% of it. But we wrote it together. We wrote songs together very well, where he would bring like the skeleton and I would kind of change it around and add a chorus or add a certain, you know, uh, the words or add like a, a bridge. Those are the first two albums. And then all of a sudden we started getting into, you know, you and I more. And Saunders entered, Brian Saunders entered it. And he's, he's also a really good songwriter. So Saunders and, and I and, and Tommy, and of course Matt, you know, Matt, mm -hmm. Matt doesn't get enough credit. He wrote hooks all over the damn place. So um, Hammond, if you're out there. Yeah kudos so but but you know it was saunders and i who spent the most time in the white album can you hear me kind of you know bringing those bones to the guys and then they would add that and then the last album is is was mostly me tommy and matt so when you i was the i guess i was the kind of tie that binds you know so there is you know the, there is that that tie but each guy throughout each of those groups of albums brought their Tommy brought his thing in and Saunders brought his thing in. So I think that if you're talking about songwriting and how the album's different, it's all about who was my main songwriter with me at that moment. Would you say yeah. that's accurate? Yeah. Okay. And I think the the way songs come out, sometimes people will have like like Saunders would just show up with, you know, a big chunk of it done and then we'd all do our thing. Right. Uh, sometimes 
in a rehearsal. Like I remember Live For Today off of Five. Mm -hmm. We were there to record some other song. And then while we're sound checking, you and I came up with all the parts eight, eight, eight. Oh, for that. Right. Yeah. And then instead of recording whatever was on schedule for that day, we just worked on that, finished that one like on the spot. So yeah. They, yeah, that's right. Just come from anywhere, I guess. Yeah. Any of the? I mean, you mentioned writing with Matt early on, Chris. Are you still doing all the lyrics though, or was Matt writing some of the lyrics? Matt, as well? no, Matt. Uh, Matt or Matt, but either Matts didn't really do the lyrics at all. Uh, uh, Brian is kind of who you're thinking. Oh of. yeah, Brian, Brian Bremer. Brian. Yeah, thank you. Bremer in the beginning was all he he wrote the lyrics, and I wasn't going to mess too much with his lyrics because they came from a real personal spot. So what I did is actually more kind of arranged. I was more the arranger, and then I would write spots within the tune. Hey, we, you know, add some musicality aspects to it hey let's not go to a bridge that is obvious let's go somewhere else and so i would write words in there and spots in there so i think when brian bremer was right was the main songwriter really really early on i was more the color guy um you know i think i became more involved writing when it would can you hear me hit would you say yeah. that yeah right i guess so yeah okay i, I mean know. kind of all the way through you know somebody would have some of the lyrics halfway there and you know we all just kind of finish them. Even when you're right, a lot of times you'd come up with lyrics, and then while we're listening back, we change. You're like, it doesn't make any sense, bro. Yeah, right. <laughs> you might as well be speaking in what German, brother. Mean? Can't. Yeah. 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 This that's very true. <laughs> that's very true. Yeah, yeah. I, I conveniently forgot about that. And then there's songs where I was the main writer on, right? Like Fresh's Heart and things like that too. So yeah, it's it's a good, it's a great group effort. I think Hammond came in; he was really good at the bass and hooks and arranging some things. He would be, right. he would make some cool sense of yeah. a bridge that. He's know. always got good ideas for like song, song structure. Yeah, like how to make one part of the song elevate mm -hmm. over another part. I think I think Tommy T was the guy who made sure we weren't going the route of just one, four, five all the time. So I think the progression of the of the music, of the writing of the band, f again, followed the guys who came in at that moment and were the, kind of the main contributors, the songwriters. And that's why Five is so unique, because Tom just writes very unique. I mean, his, his, his original stuff, if you guys don't know Tom Thiel's original stuff, like Run and Buy It, like now... Um, incredible. I'm sure Astronaut. Great oh. album. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, Tommy's the Tommy's the guy who would be sitting there playing three chords that Voxcar usually kind of was comfortable in the beginning, and then he'd go, let's add a minor, like some crazy, <laughs> like, you know, he's not he's not happy with, you know, just G, D, C, any of all the crap. He's just always doing something unique, and that's beautiful. That's That really was needed, too. Because we couldn't just be the first two albums were very, very just one, four, five, just very straight hooky, and we really, if we weren't going to bring in people like Tommy T and have his influence, we I don't think we would have progressed the way we did. So Tommy deserves a lot, a lot of respect and love for that, uh, and Saunders. Yeah. Yep. Now, so Boxcar has been away for a while. Of course, social media is still a big, huge thing, and it's almost like you're getting bombarded by you know, shows. By album release things, this you know, core codes here, all this stuff hits you. Chris, you were heavily involved with boxcars, social media, the, the graphics, all that stuff. Are you still going to be kind of helming that? Yeah, that ship? yeah. I mean, I I didn't. I, yeah, I so just something you naturally would, took. Yeah, you enjoy that. I do actually. I do that for a living now. I mean, my my wife and I own a business. It's just flying it's being great doing great and most of the stuff we do is uh, through social media so yeah i've always enjoyed that um also i don't think anybody else wanted to do it so it wasn't like tommy t was like chris i got this <laughs> so, right just, i mean no nobody came to my help at well, all it's like okay chris is just gonna do all that stuff i'm just messing with you yeah i'm just messing with you they did plenty they did plenty to help um, well, then you can you can do the, the graphic stuff and then you can build boxcar yeah <laughs> there we go right and we can somehow write that off tax write-off your wife's never seen boxcar so that the show next month will be the first time that she sees yeah. the band and i think you've you've had some kids since the the band right so the first time they're going to see boxcar well, first of all i've had a kid oh, a kid. so the way you structured that people could have alluded to i've had some kids i don't i have one with one person um so um actually my how, how wife my wife saw boxcar back in UW Oshkosh when we were playing 
the W. Oshkosh thing. She just didn't really know me, know me. So, in fact, there's a picture of her and her best friend way back at our CD release in Jones Park the last time she saw oh, us. Man. So then we met then after way after that. So this is the first time she'll see us as being with me. You know, as how, how old is your child? Ten months, almost eleven months. Oh, so he's going to be at the show. <laughs> he's not going to enjoy the show. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Listen, listen. <laughs> I, I, I might say something that, you know, maybe is not correct to some parents, but let me tell you something. This whole headphone thing, you know, give me a break. I would take the headphones off the kid. Like, I didn't have headphones on when I went into loud, noisy places. Did you, Tommy? No, of course you didn't. Look at you. There's no way you did. <laughs> right? We can't hear anything, but that's fine. I, if I look out there and my wife has headphones on my child at my show, I may stop the show, <laughs> take the headphones off my kid. Well, just, yeah. you know those noise canceling headphones. You know what I'm saying? Right. Where they can't oh, hear them. Yeah, anything? I know. To protect their ears. Yeah, it that's, depends that's, what the band is in the venue. You know, sometimes you probably should put the headphones on. Yeah, you know what? I do feel bad because I remember seeing <laughs> Chloe. Didn't she have headphones on oh, back in the day? I don't know, but there's some cool pictures of you with a little girl with headphones on oh, at yeah. Jones Park. Oh, now I feel bad. Thanks, Tommy. Well, you, Appreciate that. Do you wear headphones when you practice, Chris? No. You never, That's why you never I, have shows, nothing, no headphones? No. And, well, at the end, I was using in-ear monitors, oh. um, which is just louder music farther in your ears. <laughs> well, it's, you're lucky, because I've got tinnitus. I hate it. Like I, I do. Oh, yeah, it's, it's brutal. Yeah. I, it's, I, I tell people all the time, if you could just sit one moment with the head in my head, you would you would last two minutes like we're just used to it right you yeah. know it's constant ringing in fact i played i was with uh um i was with a band a cover band um lately um and they're they're fantastic so road trip i was their singer for three years it's a fantastic band in fact geeski's a drummer for road trip so it's kind of cool but honestly i mean i had to quit one because our business was taken off and i was always traveling and i couldn't i couldn't you know do 100 shows a year but mainly my ears i i my left ear could hardly hear anything so you know yeah we were we we're talking before the show i have to feature this as i take my new cool mug yeah. uh, we're, we're talking before the show about how bands are kind of mixed up these last people that are in different bands and i found that interesting that you're drumming for the cool waters band yeah i mean how long has that been going on about a year, I think, maybe coming up on a year. I mean, are they, um, they going to be doing a bunch of stuff now, too? Well, about five, six shows a year. Like they're playing their. Um, in fact, the day after our show on June 1st, on June 2nd, I'm playing with Cool Waters I'm downtown at the Gibson, uh, the Gibson Hall. So, yeah, I mean, they're playing five, six shows a year. Um, for me, that was one of those things. My wife is a huge, huge proponent of me staying in music. Um, you know, the business, like I said, is going very well for us. I don't really need to do music for business. I mean, for money. So it was kind of like she was like, "If you don't get in on back on this, you're not gonna get back in on it." So she's been a huge hmm. props to my wife. She's pushed me. Right. So when Cool Waters said, "Hey, um, you know, it's hard to get Geeski because he's so busy with, you know, with road trip. Um, maybe you should kind of can you fill in for a show." And then I played Gibson music, and it was great. I mean, music hall, it was great. It was just old school, straight up old school Cool Waters groove, you know, like we never left either. And they said, hey, would you be willing to, you know, just be our guy from now on for five or six shows a year? And honestly, I did it because um, I feel like if I wouldn't have done that gig, I probably would have never really sat down on drums ever again. And I've been playing drums since I was three. So I figured... I, I I sincerely mean that. I would have never played drums again, pretty much, unless Cool Waters came back around. So, you know, that's how that worked out. So, props to the the, the Waters boys. That band is amazing. Um, you know, we, we got John Wheelock on bass now. Oh, so solid. it's me, so it's me, John Wheelock, holding holding down the vibe back there, and it's just a joy. That band is just an amazing joy. So come out here, Box Crowd, June first. Um, if you're into more of the funk uh, blues kind of thing, come out on the second at Gibson Downtown uh, Appleton the next day. So you you've both played. Just lots of different venues, from bars all the way up to festivals. I mean, do you have a favorite? I guess each you might have a different favorite. It, it can be outside a box. Well, let's just let's focus on boxcar. What's your favorite boxcar gig? I know Tom's played with Tiffany. That's probably his favorite. But besides, oh, besides that one, what's your, each your favorite show? I know Tom's. Tom's is Mole Casino. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God! They hated things. I can't say anymore. I'm not going to say anymore. Yeah, that that, that just the oh. guys just. Well, you yeah. can't tease us like that, Chris. Come on. 
it was just a show that we, it was way up north and it was a two day, two day event. There's nothing around there, you know, so we, we would, we would, the first Friday night show, we would drink a lot and then sleep all day the next day and then get up and play another casino show. And casino shows are, are fun to a certain extent, but they can also be kind of interesting, you know, so. I'm doing good. Huh? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There's so many different ones. Some of the big, some of the big shows. Yeah, I'm just gonna move past that. Yeah. Um. Anyway, you have I a favorite keep... venue? Um, if you've played with Box Guy, was your favorite place? You know, and you, it doesn't even have to be like all the time. Just yeah, maybe as a one-off. Like what was? Um, it? some of the gigs we had, like at the Yard Arm. Oh, yeah, yeah. in uh, Dubuque. We're just crazy, crazy. Like the crowd was great. Yeah. It's kind of out. Half of it is outside. They have big garage doors that open up to that the Mississippi awesome River. Um, you threw me in the Mississippi River. <laughs> I totally but. did. There, there's there's a backstory here. I, for some reason, I just Tom is the nicest, most non-assuming dude you've ever met. For those of you guys who know Tom Theo, he's just incredibly gifted, but he's he's, he's just incredibly melancholy. But unless you start having a drink, and then he's he's super different. But I just find ways that just I pick on him. He's my guy. I, yes, he's who I go to. And and what, it all started with me rolling up a drum, a wet beer soaked drum carpet, and I came from behind and whacked him so hard with a rolled up rug that he right. almost fell over. And from that moment, it was it was it was it, history's in the books, baby. And then right. so we, we were drinking. Uh, walking along the bay, it was my idea. I was like, how about we go on the pier in the Mississippi? There's a pier where we played after the show. I'm like, let's just take a walk and have a band band meeting. <laughs> right. So and was, Wait, you planned it because somebody totally. borrowed my phone shortly before that. <laughs> so I didn't have my phone on me. You're welcome, bro. Yeah. See, you think I'm a heartless person. I got your phone on purpose. Yeah, I had somebody ask for his phone so the phone wouldn't get wrecked. And I, I had a meeting, and I, I made sure that it was me and Tommy going out to the meeting. And about halfway out the dock, I just pushed him right in. And it was cold, and it was seaweed, and, oh God, and algae, and <laughs> And you know what? You never get me back. Like, you oh. didn't punch me in the face. You didn't do you're right, anything. You're right. You, well, I remember Matt, Matt Hammond, jumped in after that just for the hell of it. But then he's the guy who couldn't make it back in for some reason. I think his of course. contacts are fogging up. Of, of course. It's always Hammond. Oh, I love that guy. So, uh, Yardine was yours. I think for me, it was Milk Creek because it was our home club. And I felt like that was where we did a lot of our experimenting and kind of cut our teeth really um and it was just it, it, it was cool it was like mill creek was like the home of original music for a while there and so i i mean we played there too much you know but when we played there it was packed usually and it was just a great great crowd so how, how often did you guys tour out of the state was that well often or I mean, was it once in a while we played more. Uh, yeah. Well, we Once did like uh, South Chicago, Dakota, South Dakota. Um, so was it more instead of a tour? It was more of like a destination show. You're right. State? There we go. That that would be the best way to put it. I don't think for some reason we never really thought about doing a tour, which is interesting. Yeah. Get in a bus and just going around. You know, at one point we were going to do a little tour of hard rock cafes. But yeah. I don't know what happened. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, I just. I don't know if it's because the you know the jobs that we had along the way it was hard to kind of just put a string together. Um, you know, and not all of us were full time boxcar, but you know we had to have other stuff. You have both collaborated with a lot of different artists, Chris. You did something for a movie with Travis Slee I did. a few years ago, yeah. which is kind of interesting. So, can you tell us a little bit about that and where the song ended up? Yeah, put me on the spot, the name of the movie. So Travis called me up and he said he's got this connection with this dude who's a who's a, a music director for for a, a movie company. And he said they need a song um, that has kind of like a, um, I don't know, like a kid rock type of thing to it. And I didn't really know what, this, what the movie was at all. So we made a song called Badass. I mean, Travis and I wrote it in like an hour on the phone or something crazy. So we recorded it in Milwaukee, which because I was living in Milwaukee at the time. And so um, it, it actually got, not only was in the movie, but it was like the main first fighting scene. Basically, it was a, it was a Chinese movie. Michael 
Douglas was actually in it. And it was number one in China for like three or four months straight. And the actor, the main actor in the film was like the biggest pop star in China. So anyways, the very, it's a, it's basically this pop star is walking around. He turns into a killer clown and starts beating the crap out of people. I mean, it's basically what the movie is about. So, so I wrote the song with Travis called Badass. It's called just Badass. It's super cheesy. So that was the main fight song in the very beginning. And it turned out to be also the credits. So it was like the main song. It's in there twice. Yeah, it's in there twice. Right. Wow. Um, and I'm still waiting for the first $400 from it. Straight wow, up, so you yeah. still haven't seen a, a penny from that. China. <laughs> well, that's pretty cool. Did you get any feedback from like any any people that heard the song and then found out that you had something to do with it and like, reached um, out? I don't, I, I, I don't, I mean, some boxcar people, yeah, but um, no, that I, it was really kind of under the radar. I mean, it was on Netflix. You can still watch it. If I can remember the well, name of it. After you explain the plot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Bro. Yeah. How many stars would you give it out of five? Besides, uh, if you take the music out of it. Yeah, the music. Yeah, the music made the show. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Totally just kidding. Um, yeah, I mean, it was it was super CGI effecty. Like, it was, it was impressive. It really was. It was an impressive high, high-budget film. Um, but um, they spent know, all their money like on the three? budget. Yeah, like two or three. Like maybe if you're super high and just want to like, you know, can I say that? I mean, is, like, it, is it legal here yet? I don't really know. I can't keep up on all this stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. So it was it was a good experience. Though. Working with Travis was fun. We had a lot of fun. He would come down to Milwaukee and you know we'd hang out and have a good time. Travis and I, Travis and I were always always. Well, at first he hated me. Remember that? Yeah. He was in a band that hated me, and then uh, I didn't even know who the guy was. He hated me. I had never met him in my life. Whatever. Um, and uh, and it, But it, as the years came on, we started becoming more closer friends. So I think it was just a meeting of the minds. At some point, it was going to happen, and we had a blast doing it. You know, I want to thank both you guys for doing this. We're already done with the hour, but no I, I feel like a good question. We're going to go a few minutes over because I want to ask you yes. what people can expect when they go to that show at Jones Park next month. And what does the future boxcar look like? Are we going to be able to see? Are, are we going to be able to look forward to another album coming out? Are you guys writing new songs? What What's in the future for you guys? I'll take the first part. <laughs> of course, you will. <laughs> yeah. The easiest part. Right? Yeah, um, yeah. We've kind of planned it where we're going to. I don't know. I guess we're not giving it too much away, right? Yeah, we're just going to start with kind of where it left off as a four-piece. And then we're going to just play a couple songs that way. Then we'll bring up Brian Saunders and kind of uh, do all the stuff uh, that he was involved in. And then we're going to keep Brian up and also bring up Brian Bremer. Kind of go backwards in time to the, some of the older songs. And um, it should be be awesome. We're going to have three guitar players, you know, for the last six, seven part. songs, eight yeah. songs. Yeah, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be really cool. I really love the way we have that that built. As far as the future, I think we're going to take this one show at a time. I feel like, you know, I feel like the when you interview all these, you know, um, athletes, we'll just take it one day at a time. Um, but that's kind of where we're at. I will tell you, we weren't, some of, some people were kind of, uh, I don't know if we want to do this, not because of any personal reasons, but just because, you know, time and all that kind of stuff. We met for the first time at Cleo's. And it was just like, it was magic. And then by the time I even got home, I was, somebody texted me and said, we should write a song for this and like, you know, promo it. So I guess we don't really know. We haven't really talked about it. It seems like all of us are like, yeah, you know what? If there's another opportunity here and there to play some shows, like, you know, like, like cool venues, uh, original, it seems like people are up for it. But we're not going to even talk up, have that conversation even with each other formally until after the show. Because for me, I, I just want to get on a stage and feel that energy with each other. And then I feel like that would be a time where we can really, really make that decision together. Did I nail that? Is, about, is, that, is that about right? Is that what you're thinking? That is perfect. You know, when we all got together at uh, Cleo's, I don't want to go too long, but um, yeah, it was kind of obvious, you know, uh, Whatever happened in the past, you know, there was random different things and nothing major, no big drama. And we all got together at that bar and, like, it was just like old times again. And then we had discussed, like, uh, you know, one of our managers had 
Ben had just passed away, an old sound man, uh, Mark Harding from Rock USA had just passed away. So we were like, life's just too short to like have any, uh, you know, reason not to do this. So we just, uh, you know, it's like a family, which people always say that, you know, it's kind of a cliche, but it's true. Yeah. Even though I pushed you in the river. Right. And <laughs> that was the biggest trauma we've had. 